0: You are listening to Jai Long and this is Make Your Break, episode number 45. Recently, I was interviewed on a podcast called Escaping the Ordinary. Escaping the Ordinary is put on by wedding photographer Ryan and he asked some great questions about scaling up businesses, about hiring people and the process and what that looks like and so much more with a creative business. And I felt like it was a really good one to share with my audience because it will just give you so much value and a new insight as well. It's pretty rare that I actually get interviewed myself on podcasts I'm not the type of person that loves to be interviewed on podcasts. Um, As a lot of you know, I've always had a little bit of, I I guess I've been a little bit scared of being interviewed on podcasts, even though I've got my own podcast now. But then again, it's just nice to share a new perspective. Um, A lot of things that I haven't shared on this podcast yet, so I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Also, I just want to let you guys know it's, it's the winter now here in Melbourne and I'm just taking a little bit of a break. You probably have noticed that I haven't showed up the last couple of weeks on the podcast and I'm actually taking six weeks off just to refresh, regroup, get get my all my energy back so I can hit the ground running when everything opens back up in around about six weeks time. I've got lots of good ideas. I want to interview lots of new people for the podcast. So there's tons of good free content coming your way. Don't worry about that. It hasn't finished. Um, sometimes you just need to, as a creative entrepreneur, you need to take... You need to take a little bit of a break for yourself, go out, go camping, go into nature, go and do those things that sort of revive, you know, your creative energy so you're ready to go once again. And that's what I am in the process of doing now. So, guys, don't want to hold you up too much here. Let's get straight into the interview.
1: I want to welcome Jai Long to the episode. Jai is an absolute powerhouse. And if you don't know Jai's work, Free the Bird, and many other businesses he has, he seems from the outside just to be annihilating the game. I mean, I caught up with Jai in Sydney earlier this year as I was fortunate enough to go along to one of his many workshops that he holds. And he's just such an inspiration. Honestly, the energy. And I know I'm talking to you, driver. but the energy that you bring, mate, is infectious. And I've just been really, really excited to have a chat to you about all the businesses you have, about your podcast and your mentoring and everything in between. So welcome, mate.
0: Thank you, man. Thank you, Ryan. So nice to be here and um, thank you for the kind words. <laughs> My pleasure. So normally, you're the
1: interviewee, right? Like you've got your podcast, make your break. and. Is it often that you get interviewed or you feel like you're interviewing a lot more?
0: When I first started my podcast, I've only ever been on one podcast. And every time someone asked me, I always said no, because I was so afraid of putting myself, putting my voice out there. And I guess it was a bit of a learning curve. It's one of the reasons why I started my own podcast. But I think sometimes you can be so self-conscious, especially you know if you've got an accent or the way that you speak, or if you sound uneducated or you say the wrong thing and you slip up. And there's so many different things to it. So yeah, I tend to avoid being interviewed, to be honest.
1: Let's jump into this. So do you listen to your own podcast episodes?
0: I do. And I'm really glad that I do because I'm the type of guy that just gets things done and I put it out there. And I actually listen back to my podcast after I've already published it. And then I hear the mistakes and then I quickly run home and fix the mistakes and then republish it. But I guess for me like nothing's ever perfect when I put it out. It's always just get it out there and then retrace my steps and then polish it afterwards when I have more time. I love it. I love it. I was
1: actually listening to one of my episodes yesterday and it's really funny. Hey, it's like listening to yourself talk. I mean, we we totally analyze ourselves, but it is a great thing to do because, you know, you don't want to put things out to the world that you you don't truly believe in. I remember when I was lucky enough to catch up with you in Sydney earlier this year, you said, you know, like put work out that you truly believe in because people need to believe in you. So, Jai, I want to go right back, not right back to the beginnings. I'm sure (laughs) most listeners, mate, they know your backstory and see your hustle from the outside, but a lot haven't had the chance to meet you in person or they see you just on these social platforms. So, Can you run me through the businesses that you have from the outside? It looks like you've got a few going on.
0: Yeah, right now I have my wedding photography business. That's my diamond. I love that thing. It's taken me so long to build it up to where it is and to scale it up. And, you know, there's so many hard times, so many good times, but it's something that I'm really passionate about. I just love photography. So I have that one. That's my main hustle at the moment. And then I have a DJ entertainment business, so it's, you know, Heartbreak Hotel, that's what it's called, and so I have DJs that work for me, I've got photo booth attendees, and it's a really fun community, that is like literally the funnest business ever, and the reason why I started it was to create something that was a little bit more fun, and you know, when we all get together, we have big parties, and it's crazy, so it's so fun to be part of that community as well. And then I have my business. So that's Jai Long or Jai Long Co. And that's all my educational stuff. And I've been getting in deep with that stuff, learning so much over the last, I guess I launched it really about seven, eight months ago now. And in the last seven, eight months, like we've done so much, we've hit so many goals, we've reached so many people, we've impacted so many people, we've helped so many people with their businesses. And it's, it's been incredibly rewarding seeing how fast things can grow once you've done it so many times, I guess. So they're my three main hustles at the moment. And the last one is I do a little bit with property. So I've got a few properties, but I originally wanted to be a property developer that created like sustainable living like a long time ago. And it was like a long, I guess, distant dream. But at the moment this week, I'm actually just buying a property up near Byron Bay and, doing a few things of that. And so that's kind of like a separate business that no one really knows about, but I'm equally as passionate about that stuff as well.
1: Oh, Jai, mate, that's incredible. <laughs> you're a hustler, but like you're <laughs> laying it all on the line there and that's awesome. So the end goal is like properties and owning multiple properties and investing and stuff like that. And do you feel like your businesses are feeding that, obviously generating momentum within the business, but that is kind of like on the side as well
0: as a long jeopardy type of investment? With everything that you do in life, you need to have a few different plays. I think it's really good. It's the same, like you can relate this straight back to business as well. Like like with marketing, things like that. Like you can have the short-term plays where it gets you work straight away and you can have the long-term burners where it's going to get your work more sustainable in the long run. And to be honest, like with things like property and stuff like that, I know it's a longer-term play and I know I've got more time behind me because I'm only young. I'm the only person I know that's like bought houses in their 20s and come from bankruptcy to, to being able to do that. And I think the reason why I've been doing it hasn't been, I want to invest for when I'm retiring or anything like that. It's literally just been like, can I do it and pushing myself to see if I can do things. So to be honest, I've never got a, a destination in mind. It's always about the journey and there's nothing more empowering for me than to being able to like go ahead and buy a property or do something like that. Something that a lot of people would believe that I would never be able to do or for myself, like I believe that I would never be able to do so to be able to like smash those myths, it's very empowering. So Dry, I know your backstory
1: and, and you explained it in Sydney when we caught up and stuff like that. And I'm sure, like I said, listeners probably know, do you feel like you always had that hustle in you? I mean, it looks like from the outside, you're willing to share the failures, share them online and publicly, but kind of pivot and drive and not be scared and not be worried about facing fears and
0: stuff like that. Like, do you feel like you've always had that hustle in you or it's kind of taken time to generate? Uh, mate, it's never taken time. It's, it's from day dot, to be honest. Like my dad was a true hustler in a sense of like, he never really had a real job and he did a lot of like drug dealing and, and running drugs up on the East coast of Australia. And he was always part of, you know, some things that were going on. So he was like out of the norm and I kind of learned of him and I learned at a very young age also that you shouldn't be doing things illegally. And I learned that the hard way The first time I got arrested when I was 11 years old and I realized really quickly that it was like, okay, that's not the path for me. But at the same time, I've always been the underdog. I've always been the person that had nothing to lose and I still work like that. So I think if you've got that mentality, you've got nothing to lose, you've got everything to gain. That means, and that means like you become so much more fearless because if you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain, then everything's stacked in your favor always. It doesn't matter about the outcome because even if you lose, even if you know you go bankrupt or whatever it is, you're still ahead. You've still got more experience than you did before. You've still got you know, something else, more education than you got before. So you're still ahead. I
1: love it. I love it. And I, want to, I just want to bring you back to something you said earlier, Joe. You said you love your wedding photography business. So can I ask like, from the initial outset, did you always love that wedding photography business or what was the catalyst to you falling in love with it?
0: It was really interesting because, you know, growing up with no money growing up in my circumstances, I never got to experience what it looked like to have like an amazing family and and an amazing, like a wedding, you know, I I never really got to go to weddings and things like that. So the first time I shot a wedding, someone asked me to do it after I got featured on a, on a WordPress, I got featured by WordPress uh, and someone reached out to shoot their wedding and I think I charged them a couple hundred dollars and it's the first time I ever been to a wedding and I was just mind blown. And ever since then being a wedding photographer, has given me like a pass into being a part of other people's lives and families and, and inner circles. So now like I shoot weddings for like millionaires and celebrities and like so many people where, you know, I could never have rubbed shoulders with the people that I do until now. And I think that has helped me so much be inspired by different thinking, like different ways of things. Because if you're hanging around with people that are doing so much, you can see it's all possible and it gives you that little bit more drive or inspiration. And it's something that I needed. So yeah, I think it was just like realistically down, like deep down, if we've been truthful with each other, it's like, it definitely was to do with that. Like it was like, here it is. Here's my, ticket to a new life that I could never, you know, obtain by myself kind of thing.
1: So you're realistically saying you're inspired by others that you're associating with and the positivity that they are bringing, whether they're investors or just the human beings that they were for you to then be the best version of yourself and obviously fall in love with your business and stuff. Now, yep. obviously with all these businesses, Jai, I guess the biggest question, and I know so many photographers want to know this question how do you find time and we know you've got a team and is it due to having a team and have a scaling a
0: scalable business? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's that hard. It really comes down to having some discipline. It's interesting because I read a quote the other day and it's like, everybody could have the same goals. Like you could have the same goal as me and want to have a few different businesses, but it's all about the execution that makes anything different. And I think if you're disciplined and you have that goal, You can set at times with really thinking about like what's worth your time and then really honing into the things that are really high value tasks. And I think with having a few different businesses, a lot of people just waste so much time just doing nothing, you know, like (laughs) I know this because I've seen so many people working and we all work at different paces, but you know, if you come to work and you're just sitting on Facebook for four hours, it doesn't really mean you're moving the needle in your business. It means you could have been at home spending some time with your family or with your partner or something like that. So I think a lot of us, we we definitely tend to put extra time into stuff that we don't need. And then we feel like we don't have time for the things that actually need our attention. And when I realized that I just put more time into what actually moves the needle, what actually makes the impact. Because once you do that, then it's a high value task and it means you're making more money all the time. There's a great saying, you want to make a million dollars a year, just work out, what task will pay you $500 an hour. Mm -hmm. And from that you can do it. And with wedding photography, you could absolutely do that. And there's so many things you can outsource. And then all of a sudden you could do something that's worth $500. For instance, and and a perfect example right here, if I'm doing a podcast interview right now with you, Ryan, this has taken an hour and out of this hour, maybe someone will find me and then someone will sign up to one of my workshops. And then now this hour was worth $500 to me. Does that make sense? So, when you're working things out, like a lot of people would say, well, don't start a podcast because you're working for free. But actually, you really need to see like how can you make the biggest impact in that hour? I can get brand awareness right now. I can get so much more than if I just sat there doing emails or started editing some photos.
1: Obviously, social media is, is a, a big cause of this, right? I mean, we're, I think on the iPhone apps, now we have a time, a thing that it shows us our total screen time at the end of the day. And sometimes it can be a bit of pretty confronting to realize that half the day you're scrolling on the indefinite scroll. Yeah. And like you said, you could have invested that time back into the business or even just into relationships and stuff and actually be present with one another. Yeah. So I appreciate you sharing that, man, just because you are a powerhouse dry, like the energy and the businesses and it always seems like you're not just a step ahead of the game. You're like a mile ahead of the game. And everything you do, but I just love it because you're always so open and honest, and you're just like you're always looking for that like you know something, and if it fails, you're willing to share it and pivot and stuff like that. I want to take you again, back dry. I know we're going all over the place, but I have these really specific things I'd love to ask because I know a lot of photography businesses, as you know, are sole traders, maybe working from home, turning the wheels on the wedding photography world obviously COVID we can talk about, but I want to talk more about how you started scaling because I know you've got a team. So I want to take you right back to when it was just Jai and he had a wedding photography business. I know you've got your wife, Lilu, but when you started actually employing and how did that look for you?
0: Yeah, it wasn't really on purpose. I think when I first started, things sort of blew up pretty quickly because I was out, probably hustling more than I needed to do because I was putting all my attention into the one business and that was free the bird. So I really hit the ground hard and I put all my effort into it. What's interesting about a business is I think it's like a bit of a false perception to think that you're going to make enough money just to start employing people. I think it's a false perception. to think you are ever going to make enough money like that just doesn't happen. I think the way that it works is you have to have a little bit of foresight. So you need to see into the future and see what kind of business you're building and then you invest in your business now for that future model. So a good example of this is like when I started heartbreak hotel, I started it from scratch a couple of years ago and we weren't getting any bookings because it didn't really exist. But the thing was when I invested into a website, I didn't mind investing a few thousand into it. When I invested into all the systems, I didn't mind signing up to all the systems that cost money because I was building a website that was able to handle six figures worth of work. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, You've got to think future, like how can you build something now, even though it costs you more and it's going to bring you something else. So when I first employed, Morgan was actually my first employee. And when Morgan came, I couldn't afford him. Like that just wasn't a thing. And it was just an opportunity that came up. He was ambitious. He was was keen to work. And I knew that he would bring so much to the table. But the first 12 months, like we had a bit of a deal. So he worked his other job. And then I whatever time he had out of his other job, I snuck him into my job and it cost me money. It cost me money to train him, to show him the ropes. He didn't really know anything to do with photography or editing or anything like that, but it was a long-term game. Like if I could train him and then he would eventually bring value and then eventually my business is going to grow. So if you've got that long foresight of like you're here for the long run, you want a sustainable business, I don't mind putting in my money, into him because I know like we can work together and we can create something bigger than myself, something bigger and create more opportunities. And it worked out like that. Like eventually I could put him on full time and you know, eventually I could give him a pay rise and eventually he could become a partner. And it's kind of like work like that because I've been open to growth as well. Like I've been open to investing my money, investing my time into the things that will take my business to another level. I know a lot of people are too scared to do that because it's hard to put someone on that you can't afford. It's hard to put yourself out there, especially when you're not making money yourself. So, you know, it's hard to say like, oh, I'm going to pay someone $50,000 a year, but I'm not making $50,000 a year. That's a hard thing to swallow when when you're working 12 hours a day, seven days a week, I think. For sure. So
1: when you put Morgan on, dry, I mean, were you at a point in the wedding photography business that you are just like so busy that you needed to bring someone in or was it the thought process like, okay, cool, I want to grow this business to a six, seven-figure business or whatever, therefore I need to get someone in to help me with whatever tasks you gave Morgan
0: at the start? I'm very sporadic with everything. There's like not too much planning that goes into stuff. I do have a foresight and I know... So my thing was like, I wanted to be a luxury wedding photographer and I want to charge between five and $10,000. Like that was my thing. And then when the opportunity came up, when Morgan came knocking on my door, I wasn't actually looking for someone. And then I was like, you know what, actually I work so hard and I, I'm always editing and stuff. Like I don't need to do that. Do I, if I could afford someone else, I could actually shoot double the amount of weddings, which means I could actually bring in a lot more income. So it did the numbers like that and probably in one afternoon, then I was like, well, that sounds like a great opportunity. Let's do it. (laughs) So that's pretty much how it sort of played out.
1: So Jai, with obviously, so Morgan's initial kind of role in the business, was he a photo editor for you?
0: Yeah. So Morgan, actually, his original role in the business was to package stuff up, to send, you know, walk it down to the post office and do like things around the studio. And then eventually... He used to sit next to me while I was editing and I'd show him why composition was a good thing or exposure or whatever it was. And then eventually he started making all the slideshows. And then from there, he started getting onto the editing. And then I'd watch him edit and I'd talk him through it. And then eventually he just took over the show and he'd come to work and just things were done. And then I was just like, oh, okay.
1: And so, do you feel as though, like, with bringing Morgan into the business, did it like help you? Did it free up plenty of time? Did it, like you mentioned, like a a lot of photographers are scared to employ someone because, you know, we're so passionate about our business. And it's like, what can we give someone to do as a sole trader? Like do you feel as though that helped momentum to get to where you are today and you
0: couldn't be where you are if it wasn't for like employing staff? Yeah. It's funny because what you just said, like, we're so passionate about a business, but what could we get someone to do? It's funny that we actually hold ourselves back. We, We put something in our way and say like, we are the best at what we do. We are the best editors. We are the best at emails. We are the best at whatever. And we hold ourselves back. So we create a business. That's not us. It's a business. And it's a living, breathing thing. And after a while, it grows its own identity. grows its own brand. It grows everything. And we believe that we are the best for it. And then we end up suffocating it. And then there's a ceiling. And the ceiling is always yourself. It's not anything else. You can scale a business as big as you know, a fortune 500 company, if you wanted to, we put ourselves in the way because we have self-doubts that no one else is going to be as good as us. No one else is going to be as passionate as us. And that can come from so many things. Maybe you work for someone and you didn't work that hard for the company or maybe, you know, so many different things. But I think if you have a mindset of like, Hey, you know what? I am not the best. And if I hire someone, it's only going to get better because the more brains I have in here, I become a superpower. I can work off so many people. I can leverage of so many more people's time. There's so much more there and I just can't do everything on my own. Like I just can't and success it's, I haven't built it all by myself. Like I've, as you said, I've got a team, I've got people behind me that help me. They've got the same vision. And all my role is, is to listen to them, make sure that they're happy. They're doing whatever they want to do. And they steer the ship as much as I do they change things like Morgan has so much say in everything we do now. And we play like we're partners because we are like, I can't run the business I do now without him. And I think it's really important. If you want to grow a business, you have to get rid of your ego. You have to lay that out and know that like, okay, the business is not me. Let's build something that we're proud of. That's bigger than ourselves.
1: It's so true, right? The ego is the biggest killer for so many small businesses because we can't let go of things, but staying on this scale side of things as well, dry. So when Morgan come in, you know, obviously right now you can hire virtual assistants and you can get editing done on from anywhere in the world, like for that photographer that's out there in their home and they're sitting there and they're like, you know, I would really love a staff member to do some in-house editing or should I get someone online to do stuff? So what would your like advice be for someone like that?
0: There's quite a few factors in play. I would get out a napkin and a a pen and I'd start writing out like what's actually worth it. So for instance, you can actually get an editor that someone that will edit some photos probably from whatever country for $350 and then it's done. You can outsource and then it comes back. The problem is with that you're going to spend a lot more time going over those images and and like double checking it and things like that, and you won't see the growth because you don't actually have someone a part of your business as well. So I think it depends on what you want to do with your business, like how personalised you want it to be. And for myself, I'm a little bit more old school like that. Like I like to have people around me that are a part of my business, and I'm creating opportunities for people. And I think one special thing about having a business is I can employ people, which is so empowering. Like you can actually give someone else a livelihood and the more that they work and the harder they work and they put their passion into it, the more they can be rewarded, the more that the business grows for both of you. Like I think that's a pretty incredible thing to be part of, to be honest. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I totally agree. I mean, you can have two minds in the same office or or home or studio or whatever. And you can bounce ideas. And I remember meeting Morgan and Sydney with you. And it was, it was just so cool to see you guys sharing your ideas and working together. And it's like, you know, it is a very rare thing we see in, you know, with the wedding photography realm is that, you know, we bring our ideas together and we can bounce and stuff like that. And then so scaling from there, Jai, so how long ago was it when you put Morgan on? Yeah, about four or five years. And then, so what's next step from there for you? Where did you go? Did you have the dry Long business? Did you have
0: heartbreak? What was next? I tell you what, I was hustling hard because I was doing sold out workshops by myself and, you know, I had Morgan editing. I was shooting two weddings every weekend. I was doing workshops. I was, I was doing it all. And it's, and I did it all for years and years and it was so hard. And I think it wasn't to do with like you know, me just thinking I was the best and I need to do it all. It's just, it really purely came down to like what I could afford. I couldn't really afford to just hire more people. And it came to a point last year. Oh, I started heartbreak hotel actually. And Morgan and I kind of started it together and I wanted to show him through the process of starting a business and how you can do it. So I got 10 grand out of my bank account and it was just like my personal money. And I was like, I'm going to invest this. What should I do with it? And then I brainstormed up away and I was like, the best way to get a return from this 10,000 is start another business, employ someone to do it. And then from there, like I'll be able to withdraw that 10 grand and I'll be able to get paid weekly as well from that initial investment. So I did that and we started it together. Morgan and I went down to the bank. We started a bank account and everything. We bought some equipment. We made our our first uh, photo booth together and it was like a really fun experience. And then we scaled that up. And I think we have like five, six people that work for us now there. And I don't really do anything for that business anymore. So I've got Sarah and she does all the admin work. She is now a partner of that business as well. And she looks after all the staff. She's basically the manager. She's basically the CEO. I'm the owner. She's like the CEO. Mm -hmm. And then with Jai Long, I realized like, man, I shoot so many weddings and I want to help people with wedding photography because, you know, people love my workshops. I've got a good reputation with it. I'm passionate about it, but I'm not best serving the people that pay for my services. Like people would email me and say like, Jai, can you send me a receipt? Like you take so long to email me back and things like that. And I knew that I just wasn't best serving the people that invested into me to help their businesses. So I thought, you know what? I need to have a team around me for this. And if I'm going to best serve people, like all my clients and all businesses, I need more people around me. So I hired a project manager and she was incredible. And she helped me if you hire people like sometimes it's better to hire people that are just so much smarter than you in every way. And I hired Zoe and she was that person. Like she knew the tech side, she knew strategies, so much stuff. And we got onto the ground, you know, working hard and just brainstorming stuff out as a whole team, Morgan was in there as well on the, on the whiteboard. And just like, how can we best create an experience for the people that are investing in, in my business? And To be honest, like I was doing workshops and I'm selling courses and stuff, but we weren't making any money. It's all going back in, invested straight into, as soon as I got some money, I hired a full-time designer. And, you know, we started doing better designs We're building a website and hiring someone to do my podcast, editing, like all that kind of stuff. So it just got bigger and bigger, but it actually just shrunk over COVID-19. Zoe actually left us so she could go and she wanted to do a new path. And I was devastated but that was just the way. And our full-time designer, he actually got sick and then yeah, he, he left as well. So we're just down to Morgan and I at the moment and we're running flat chat. <laughs> You're doing it all. So
1: what do you believe, like say a photographer out there listening and they, they wanna hire and they wanna scale. Do you feel as though like, did you find uh, Morgan and Zoe and stuff like that through like Seek or anything like that? Or were they kind of friends yeah. How did you find your employees, I guess?
0: So when I hired Zoe, I put it out on Facebook groups. I asked people, I put an advertisement online and she found me through Seek, I'm pretty sure, like something like that. I think it was Seek. And then once I hired her, then I got her to do all the hiring. That's the thing. Like when you hire someone, you can literally like, you can make a self-sustainable business because you can get someone that hires and fires and manages the other staff. And then it goes on and on. So Zoe would tell me like, Hey Joe, ja, we need someone to do Facebook ads. Like, you know, I can't be doing this anymore. Okay, we'll hire someone. And then she would hire someone for Facebook ads. Hey Joe, ja, we need someone to do design. All right, let's hire someone. Okay, let's do it. And at the end of the month, we'd obviously sit down and we'd work out how much money we're making and how much we could spend and what we could afford to bring in. And we'd work out where the biggest impact was like, should I be spending money on this or, could I hire a designer and then would make a bigger impact with the three of us and then the four of us and then the five of us. So yeah, I think, um, when you're hiring someone definitely don't go down to like people's education. I don't base it off that at all, but I definitely basis off someone's willingness to jump in and hustle and how passionate they are about what they do. I think that's really important.
1: Okay, cool. Amazing. Thanks for explaining that. I mean, as you know, Jai, like it's really interesting for photographers to hear from someone that's actually scaled and descaled because of COVID and stuff like that. So I know like you're spending a lot of time with your educational hub. So just a quick question, like where do you find you spend most of your time each day? Is it with Jai Long? Is it Free the Bird? It sounds like you've kind of working in between all businesses, but where do you find you are spending most of your time?
0: Definitely with Jai Long. I spend maybe two hours, three hours a week with free the bird. And that's when I was shooting weddings, I would spend a tiny bit more cause on emails, but Morgan would do the editing. I kind of stepped away from that because to be honest, like that business just runs itself. I don't really need to do anything. And if you build a business like, with the right building blocks, like there's no reason that I need to be in that business doing more. I haven't blogged on that business for years. I haven't updated the website. I have all I do is post on Instagram and, and it just keeps flowing, but That's because of all the relationships that I've made, like the marketing that I've done and spending that extra time really creating a sustainable business from the very start. And it means I could step away. If I hired a VA, a virtual assistant, I wouldn't have to do anything except just shoot the weddings and then bring back the cards because, you know, they would liaise with clients and things like that. But yeah, so at the moment I probably spend maybe two hours a week with free the bird. And that is basically just ordering albums and emails and some client meetings. and then. Basically, everything else is just on Jai Long right now. We're recording a new online workshop, and every day I'm just putting together content from all my businesses, from all my workshops, and Morgan and I are just coming up new ideas. I am at the moment doing online workshops to learn Facebook marketing. You know, I'm in a few masterminds and things like that, and I'm putting so much money and energy and effort into my own education.
1: And so, so can we jump into the Jai Long workshop that you're currently? working on. It's the six figure business map. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Awesome. Can you explain to the listeners what that is and when it will come out to the world and and show us a bit more about how to create a sustainable and amazing
0: business? Yeah, man, there's nothing more relevant than right this second, because even today we're, we're actually recording some videos about money. And I think the amazing thing is like having a business, like I'm kind of opening up a new way of thinking for so many people, because a lot of, creatives when I came into this space, cause I'm very business minded and creative minded, but a lot of creatives, they're a little bit stuck when it comes down to like knowing their numbers, how many weddings they actually need to shoot, like how should they be paying themselves tax or a wage or setting up a company or a trust or a sole trader. There's, there's so many questions and they can run businesses for so long and they just don't know the answers to these questions. And it's, I think one of the things that's really empowered me to grow my business a lot faster and a lot bigger than a lot of people is that this is like the basic knowledge that I already know. And I'm so excited to like really bring it into layman's terms so everyone can understand. Yeah. And really talk about it, like show people exactly like, oh, okay. so. After this, I can just write down the numbers and work out exactly how many weddings I need to shoot per year. And then that's going to show me how much money I'm going to make per week. I'm going to be able to start paying myself a weekly wage. Plus I'm going to be able to start paying myself 5% profit. Plus, you know, so-and-so. And And then after a while I can afford to hire someone to do something, then I can start scaling. So it basically just gives people the plan because at the end of the day, like a lot of us, we start off and we want a business. We want a six figure business. We want to actually make like actually profit six figures but we don't actually have a plan to do it. And it's so hard to do something if you don't have just like a target, like a, an actual plan. So I'm giving people like they give themselves a target, but I'm giving them the like equipping them with the plan so they can just get straight in and, and start making it happen. Actually start moving that needle.
1: And so drive this six figure business map. Is this for like photographers that haven't started a business yet? Or is this for ones that are looking to scale or
0: who's it suited to? It's for both. We've, we've put so much stuff in there. That's like, if you are just out of the gate and you're just starting, like you're going to learn so much, it goes over 12 months. So it's a 12 month program. And if you're already making six figures, then it's like, you know, let's work how you can actually sustainably make six figures even in the off season and how to like start scaling your business when it comes to like hiring people and things like that. So it really takes you through the whole process. And I believe it's the only course out there that actually does this. Like I just have never have seen something like this before. And if I have, like I would have signed up to it because that's, this is my jam. Like this is what I want to know, you know? (laughs) And so you're
1: pre-recording all of this now, like is the course actually live for people? Obviously I'll link to it, but just
0: so people know when is it released now or is it getting released soon? Yeah. So, we're pre recording like the actual modules and stuff. So the videos, and then once you get into the course, it's um, a 12 month program with, it's actually monthly masterminds and calls as well, like group chats, but it's only open for enrollment only like a few days a year, to be honest, because we want to keep it very small and exclusive. So people don't feel overwhelmed and stuff. So it's opening up again this month for a few days and then it will probably open up again at the end of the year, but we're not, we're not keeping it open. Like I, I don't have the time. And the energy to be hustling like to get people into it all the time so we're going to keep it super exclusive
1: i love it i love it obviously i'll link to it i've seen it you know you're advertising it on your dry long instagram and stuff like it looks incredible that like you said there is there doesn't seem to be anything out there at all similar it looks really interesting from the outside and i think so much value will be in that and i know from all the courses and the workshops that you do mate that you put so much heart and soul like yeah. It's going to be incredible. So obviously we'll link to all of that. Now heartbreak hotel. Can I ask do you like, was the reason for bringing in a photo booth company? Was it because, you know, you were getting inquiries and people were like, Oh, we're still yet to book our photo booth. Do you have any recommendations? And was that like, Oh, boom, why don't I take this off their hands? Or yeah. What, what was the catalyst for you to start that business?
0: Uh, a couple of different reasons. One, and this is the number one, big one was diversification. I believe like uh, you need to diverse. Like if you've got income coming in from one stream only, like once that stream dries up, man, you're in a dry Creek bed and there's nothing worse. You've seen this happen when COVID-19 hit. And I think cause I've got so many income streams like COVID-19 definitely didn't hit me as hard as a lot of people because even though a couple of streams dried up, like I still had a couple of streams, So I was able to get through things like that and being in business for like long enough, you've got to make yourself like recession proof and know that hard times come. And the more you diversify into like different industries or a different business, like the easier it is to make an income like all year round. So that was like number one, number two, no one ever actually contacted me for photo booths at all, but I did go to a lot of weddings and there were some really ugly photo booths out there. And I just felt like, the industry hadn't been updated for the last 10 years. And there was so much opportunity there because there was no competition. If you ran a photo booth, usually it was just like a a mum and dad on the weekend, just, you know, hustling. Uh, it wasn't like taken seriously. It wasn't like a real business that people would invest money into. So it was just like a no brainer. I was like, I can invest 10 grand into something here and then we can start scaling this thing up and then we can become the best photo booth business in our city and we can keep growing it and growing it and we'll be untouchable because we're out innovating with the markets there, like what the market actually has and how much people are willing to invest into their business which at the time was almost 0 dollars like if you looked at people's websites and things mm-hmm. like that it was just no one was doing anything but one thing was and i realized really quickly was everyone was charging no money for their photo booth and that's why they were giving a really terrible service so when i did the research i think the average photo booth in melbourne was like Three to four hundred dollars, and I quickly realized, like, no wonder, like, they have terrible booth attendance. No wonder the setup looks terrible and the props are all wilted and faded. It's because they don't bring in enough money to like create an experience that people actually love. And so I'm shooting high-end weddings, you know, like hundred thousand dollar weddings, and it's got this terrible three hundred dollar photo booth. Like, it just doesn't really add up. So when I came out the gate, I looked around to see how much everybody was charging. It's like three to four hundred dollars, and then so I started my price. I think starting price was $1,000. And it meant I had no competition because no one was in that price range. And then all of a sudden, when someone contacted me and someone else, they would say, Hey, other people are like $300. And then I would just say, Yeah, would you really trust your wedding with a $300 photo booth? And then all of a sudden, it made everybody else irrelevant. It's like, Oh my God, I definitely would not do that. Like, luckily, you're here, you know? So the takeaway of that is like a lot of us think we need to start off really cheap we can't just come into a market that's expensive. But like, I just proved right there that I could come in as the most expensive photo booth and we've come up even higher than that. So then that way we can actually create the service that people actually want. And so a lot of us, we base things of prices and we think like, oh, you know, people are not booking me because it's too expensive or because whatever it is with pricing. But a lot of the times it's not, it's just you're not actually best serving your clients and you're missing the point because you're making it about pricing. And once you make it about pricing, Of course, your clients are going to make it about pricing.
1: So, Jai, when you say you're just not best serving your clients because possibly you're not charging enough or you're thinking that what you're charging is holding you back. So, for the photographer out there, do you feel as though that's transferable over to the weddings? Like if you're charging $1,000 you know, and this is maybe why you have a portfolio you're not happy with because you're doing backyard weddings because their total budget is $10,000. Do you feel as though that's definitely transferable? Like, you know, it doesn't matter if you outprice yourself from the market, it's just best serving your clients.
0: Man, I don't know what it is, but in the wedding photography industry, like if you jump in any Facebook group, everyone's talking about their pricing. It's a clickbait thing. I can lean on it with my education because I can teach people pricing and most educators teach it wrong. They say, charge what you're worth. And it's so empty, it means nothing. There is no substance behind like charge what you're worth. But what people are missing the point is they're not charging enough to create the experience that the clients actually want. So they're not best serving their clients. So when someone walks in through the door and then they go like, oh, okay, you're a thousand dollars, but no, I'm gonna go with someone else. That's like two thousand or three thousand, it's because the other person is actually giving them value and they've factored it in and then they've priced it in, and people are willing to spend good money on their wedding. I know this. I remember I shot a wedding last year, and I think it was like 15, $20,000. The quote came up to, And a lot of people would think, Oh, that's expensive. But the thing was this person wanted so much value. Like they wanted this stuff and you know, they were having a super expensive destination wedding and they weren't looking for a cheap photographer. They were looking for what they could actually get that they loved because I seen they wanted the value and they wanted that they weren't into pricing then it means like they don't care about the price. Like all they care about right now is they can get something from me that no one else is offering. And the reason why no one else is offering it is because they're too scared to factor in the price to actually best serve their clients.
1: Gotcha. And so what do they get from you that others aren't serving?
0: There's so many things. Like, I mean, for instance, like if, here's a, he's a really good example. It's such a small micro example, but there's people out there that says like, I won't take credit card charges because it costs me $20 per transaction. And a lot of my clients will come to me and say like, Oh, I was going to go with someone else, but they wouldn't take my Amex card, which means I can't get frequent fly points. And I noticed that you do that. And I'm like, yeah, of course I do that because it's best serving you. If you want to have a free flight from booking me as your wedding photographer, like absolutely. I don't mind you know paying the extra hundred dollars or whatever it is to the Amex to be able to accept those charges. So that's just such a small thing, but it goes to every little thing. It goes to, not paying for your client's coffee or beer or wine or whatever it is when you have a client meeting, you know, sparkling water, it goes down to forwarding little charges onto your clients and, you know, so many things. It's not best serving your actual client.
1: Do your clients, when they inquire, do they know this upfront, these little things, or is it more or less like a domino effect? For example, like you've photographed a wedding, you've provided this amazing service, you've taken those fees, the AMEX, the charges you've maybe given them a little print box and then that referral that comes in from that has explained to you know her bridesmaid that's now getting married like you have to book dry like we paid x amount but like this is what we got is that more or less how it's coming it's organically rather than being upfront like inclusive in my packages are amex fees and all of this you know what i mean
0: oh yeah I i don't say those things but like with the price a lot of the times it's kind of like, you know why? Like if you go to a restaurant and you know, this place is high end, you know it is. And you know, you're going to be spending 50 to a hundred dollars per meal and a cocktail is going to be like $25, but you don't mind going there with your wife or with your partner. And at the end, when you get the bill, you're like, Oh, I knew it was going to be this much. But like, I also knew that they're going to give me sparkling water and I knew there's going to be a waiter that's going to be onto it. I knew the food was going to be good. Like I knew all these things, you know what I mean? So you already know the experience you're going to get from the price that you're paying. And so if you go to a local fish and chip store, like you already know, you're not going to give it sparkling water. Like definitely not, you know, you're going to be charged an extra 50 cents to use the credit card. And it's a totally different business model. So I don't think I need to educate people when they come through the door. Like they already know. And that's why they're here because they're like, you charge more. And I know that you're going to give me this experience. And when I, when they come in, I show them the value and then they're like, ah, it reconfirms to them. Like, okay, this is exactly what we're looking for. We want stress-free. We want a photographer that knows what they're doing, that creates art. that's one of a kind that gets beached everywhere and the experience is like flawless. Like there's no arguments here. Like if you want to re-change your date because of COVID-19, of course I don't charge my clients. Of course. If they ask for a refund for their deposit, of course I give them my refund because I'm so client-centric. If someone has a, a damaged wedding album, of course I just send them out one for free. Like these are not things that I bicker about because... The whole thing about coming to someone that's a little bit more expensive is I'm giving them that experience that they can trust that, you know, I have warranty on my stuff and I'm not disappearing. And, you know, you're going to love your images, you're going to love mm. the experience.
1: There's so many little things, right? It even goes down to like the branding and the reviews. Like you got, you know, 55 star reviews that shows authority that, you know, you are someone in the game that's going to provide a good service. But I just want to, you just kind of jotted my memory, Jai. I remember going to a cafe. I forget where it was. It might've been in New Zealand. Um, I was over there for a wedding. Anyway, the actual, like, we're just sitting down, having a normal coffee and some brekkie and the chef come out and he was walking around to each table and I was wondering, like, what he was doing. And he come up to our table and it, you know how sometimes, like, they go, oh, how's your meal? And it's kind of like a simple brush and you're like, yeah, it's great. And then the barista or something moves on. But the chef come out and he, he was walking to each table, he got to our table, and he said, hey guys, like, I would really, really love it if you could provide any feedback on your meals that you had today, your experience, and if there's anything negative that's about it, I won't question you, I just would love you to tell me, because I want to best serve this this cafe, it was his cafe, and I want to give the best food and an experience possible so I sat down and I was like talking about these amazing things and then there was a few things like the mushrooms were undercooked and I said like I was welcomed you know by the barista and all that with a beautiful smile and the ambience is really nice and he didn't question me on any of the negativity and what happened like he walked away and then he's spending you know 10 minutes at each table and I thought I remember sitting there and this was last year and I remember sitting there dry and just going that is the most fucking valuable information mm-hmm. ever. I mean, he just spoke to 30 different couples and he got 30 different responses and he's probably going back there now and coming up with all these other things. All right, put the mushrooms on for two more minutes. Boom, boom, boom. And you know what? And then he came out with a baby Chino for my son. He come out with a bag of cookies and a muffin from the back. And he just said, this is just, a little gesture of just a thank you for your feedback, negative or positive. It's just something yes. I wanted to give you. And I was like, I mean, I get shivers talking about it, man.
0: Cause I'm like Right, you're still talking about it. You're still <laughs> talking about this experience. This is a year later and you're Dude, still talking about this experience.
1: I'm just like, man, that is exactly how you run a business like he is going to succeed so, so well, because he can take negative feedback and he's actually asking for it, not to like bicker and bitch. He's going back to work and like, I bet you I'll go there. Was supposed to be there this year, but let's say I go back there next year and I reckon he'll be still asking those questions and he'll be still growing and I'll get my hopefully free muffin and a few cookies. Like, (laughs) but like, you know, we didn't even question the hundred dollars that we spent for breakfast because like he showed that he had so much passion in it. And like, I left that bro. And I was like, mate, like, I mean, it's so funny. We can spend, you know, $30,000 on buying a new car. But when the, you know, the car dealership put new floor mats and that's all we tell everyone. We're like, Oh my God, we got this new car and they gave me like floor mats, you know, they're only a hundred dollars, but you
0: remember that little gesture. Yeah, man. Dude, I love it. Can I actually jump in there. Please do. I think it like, I mean, stuff like that, dude, like how good does it make you feel when you walk into a cafe and then like, especially the chef says like, how was it? And they confidently stand there, not hiding. And you're like, Oh my God, this dude's passionate. Like they love what they do. And I think with wedding photography, you can do the same. And I think the more you put yourself out there, the more people see it and they go, fuck, this is a genuine experience. That's incredible. But I just want to give some advice here because I see a lot of wedding photographers instead of asking their clients like that, like selflessly asking your clients, what do you want? They go to Facebook groups and they ask other photographers and they copy other photographers of what you know other photographers are giving their clients. And then they replicate that to give it to their own clients. But the problem is they're not best serving their clients and what their clients want because every single area, every single market, every single price point, like people want different things. And the best way to get feedback is ask your own clients, ask the people that love what you do. Like, talk to your people. Like I can't even stress that enough because I think getting real world feedback like that is incredible.
1: Oh man, we can go on about this all day. I actually, after that cafe experience, I was like, I'm asking for reviews and that from my couples and that, and that's great. That shows authority. But if someone says I had an amazing experience with Ryan, I can't like grow off that. I can just stay the same. And I ended up, Creating a, it's called a negative feedback form. And I send it out to every single wedding and I ask for five negative points about the business so I can scale and grow and best serve. And I send this out to every wedding after it. And it's a bit of a shock. I send like a little video of me explaining about it and that I won't question anything they do. I want to ask about how the process was from booking right through to the deliveries. I remember like one wedding I got and it was like, um, we just hadn't heard from you for like a couple of weeks after the wedding and we're just a little worried. Boom, sweet. So then I set up in my workflow to email couples seven days after the wedding to let them know what I'm currently working on. And I'm like, that simple email there that just best serves people. I mean it does. It really does. Oh man, I would go on about this all day. Hey. It's such a great way to grow a business though, because like you said, ask your clients. Like don't
0: ask Facebook other photographers. They're not the ones purchasing your goods. The reason why my um workshop was so successful is because I always ask everybody at the end, like, how much did you learn? Like what else could you want? And from there, like if you're listening to your people, not to other educators not to other influencers or leaders like you start learning exactly what people actually want and we just did this with the business map course that I've got now is I did a pre-sale and we sold it for half price got a bunch of people in which are the founding team and now like everything we're putting out we get them to do a review and they're giving me harsh as net like feedback and sometimes it's hard for me to as strong as I need to be. But I know it's so important because if I want to make the best course, that's best serving people, not serving me, like serving the people that sign up means I have to put my ego to the side and I have to actually create the content and create it in a way that they understand, even if it's different to what I believe is the best way, if that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Like you said at the initial start of this this episode you said like you've just got to get out your own way sometimes and the obviously yeah when I mean, we go on about ego holding people back in business but it's so right we're asking the wrong people you know the questions that we need to be asking and if you can't i believe like everyone listening guys, if you can't lean into negative feedback, like you're not willing to grow and it's just like Jai just keeps saying, it's your ego. Like it's literally your ego, remove it and realize that the feedback is actually helping you so much. It's like an athlete, he's got a coach and the coach says, you know, like you're stepping a little bit more to the left and he, if he's a great athlete, he's not going to say to the coach, well, no, I'm not stepping to the left. He's going to listen and he's going to apply that knowledge to his practice and then hopefully become a better athlete hey that's
0: such a good analogy i couldn't have said it better
1: (laughs) i don't say better mate you're a legend so joy i want to finish off because i'm definitely wary of the time and you are a busy man like we won't hold that back can you finish off with three implementable tasks that photographers can do now to level up their business or photography what are
0: three that you would suggest okay number one let's just jump in, and thanks for throwing me in the deep end here. I don't have uh-huh. prepared, but um, number one, like right now, send out surveys to your past clients and see how you can strengthen your business. If you want to actually scale your business, and you want to implement what Ryan and I just talked about, like literally get in there and do that. Like I do this with everything. I do this with when I build a new website. I don't send it to other photographers to look over my website because I don't care about their opinion. I send it to past clients that have already booked me before and I ask them like would you book me again and I usually reward them with like a wedding album or something like that for taking the time and I get so much feedback and I'm like oh my god I didn't even see this or I needed to change that or that photo wasn't the right one or my branding was a little bit off and from there I can pivot my stuff and then I realize like how I can like grow my business and I'm so confident in what I I produce like you know what services are offers because my clients crafted it. It's not me. Like my clients tell me what they want. So that'll be number one. Number two is when you decide to invest in things, a lot of people are scared of like investing in, for instance, like their education. I can't stress enough about like investing in the right things. Like I wouldn't go out there and, and just start buying like lenses and, and things like that because it's not the thing that moves the needle. Like when I first started wedding photography, I did a workshop and the workshop was all right. Since that workshop, probably maybe $300,000, like a couple little things. And, you know, the workshop cost me $2,000 when I signed up and I wasn't making any money. So it was a huge investment for me. But the amount of times it's paid itself off is like mind-blowing. And I think right now there's so many resources out there, there's so many things. I just signed up to a $10,000 like mastermind myself. And like, seriously, I implemented one thing and I was like, that made it all worth it. Like if I got that one thing and I doubled my money, like, there is nothing else in the world that's going to get you those returns, that ROI, than something like that. And it blows my mind that people don't see the value in that. So that's number two, like I would I would dig in deep and I would find those shortcuts because it's they're seriously there now. Like when I first started as a wedding photographer, like your options was go to college or there was like one or two workshops. There wasn't anything, but now like you can speed past where I was. You can outgrow me. If you could outgrow me, if you started a business now, in 12 months' time, you could have a business bigger than mine. Like, I have no doubt in that. Number three, what could you do right now for your wedding photography business? I think one of the things that people don't emphasize enough is doing their numbers, like actually sitting down, working out. If you don't know how many weddings you have to shoot per year right now to give yourself a wage of how much you want to be earning, then I think you have I've got no idea what you're doing. You're just floating around. So if you want to make clear $100,000 a year, so let's say $104,000, which is $2,000 a week wage, so you're paying yourself that wage, how many weddings do you have to shoot? How much do you have to charge per wedding? How much are your outgoing costs? How much is your tax? And how have you set up your business to best pay the least amount of tax as well? So if you can work those things out, like that little riddle, and spend half a day just like with your calculator and a pen it's going to give you so much clarity and you're going to start understanding how much your budget is for marketing and advertising you're going to start understanding your budget for employing new people if that's what you want to do and where to put your time because you can also start working out how much you actually make of each task so some things won't make you any money and you can drop those things and some things will make you one thousand two thousand three thousand and you can start doubling down your time onto those things and start scaling your business so That'll be my three things that you could do today to change your business. I love it, mate. I appreciate all that. Obviously, I'll uh, put
1: that in the show notes so everyone can see that. I know your time's valuable, mate, and I completely appreciate everything you're doing. You know what, how I think about you. You're an absolute powerhouse, dry, and I'm going to link to everything that you've done, mate. Keep pushing the boundaries because you're creating an amazing Movement within this industry and the business. And we love your hustle, man, from the outside. So, guys, definitely hit dry up on socials. I'll link to all your Instagram, Facebook, and your workshops. The six figure business map, jump into that, guys. Like, especially like Jai said, even if you've just started or you really want to scale. I mean, he's talked about scaling businesses, investing in the right things, client feedback. It's just, it's all too, too good, man. So, appreciate your
0: time, Jai awesome Ryan like seriously I just want to say thank you and thank you to all your listeners as well that um tune in listen to you all the time Ryan you're doing such a good job you're bringing people valuable information you have so much good stuff to share you've you've built a business that I see that you're proud of and you're still learning and you're growing and I think showing that to the world is such a selfless thing and I think people see that and they resonate with it and you're on the right path man it's so good to see
1: equal love man super grateful thanks so much Dry. See you Spread the love and create opportunities for people around you. Make Your Break is brought to you by Jai Long and produced at our in-house studio, Free the Bird Productions. We love creating opportunities for you and hope you'll share this podcast with your friends and loved ones.
0: For more information on this podcast, our online courses, products, workshops or just want to say hi... We're here for you at JaiLong.co